Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, another week, more information and entertainment. Yeah, I yeah. know. Man, it's uh, such a goldmine for material. Huh. Terrible for the country. Good for material. Yeah. Gosh. You know, by the way, I, I you're... You've been uh, like infecting my brain in a good way. I'm calling everyone Beb now. Hey, Beb, 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 Beb. <laughs> Wife, kids, friends, neighbors. Hey, hey Beb, Beb. Beb. This is, that's an armacost thing. Everybody's Beb. That's yeah. a John. I really, I can't. I just said that to you, right? I'm yeah. like, all right, Beb, let's get this going. It, it's a Baltimore thing, so it didn't phase me. I'm Man, so used to it. You didn't even it. think about it, did yeah. you? You didn't realize why I was saying that. Yeah. Hey, Beb. Hey, um, listen, I got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of debunking to do on the shutdown, getting a ton of questions about it. And the Democrats are lying again because mm-hmm. that's what they do. Um, Again, I'm not talking about Democrats out there in the country voting people who are generally fed up with a lot of what's going on. I'm talking about Democrats on Capitol Hill that are seemingly immune to the truth. They're telling you things that are so factually incorrect that a modicum of research on it would show you that they are just misleading you and lying to you. I also have some, let's call them interesting developments on the ongoing spying scandal. And I've got a, Joe, you know, I keep saying order matters here, right? Yeah. House is broken into, cops show up. Yeah, pretty standard stuff. Yeah. Cops show up, house is broken into, you got a problem? Rut row. Order, rut row, shaggy. <laughs> um, I've got some interesting order matters stuff here, too, and some sound bites that are going to blow your mind again, so stay tuned. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at WaxRx. Man, I had to use this stuff yesterday. <laughs> I needed it bad. I had a, It was interesting. I have a, I got a haircut, and I must have gotten some hair, like little pieces of hair in my ear, and you know, uh-huh. I don't... I don't, neither should you clean your ears out with cotton swabs. You're not supposed to stick them in your ears. So I had to use Wax RX. Hey, listen, when your ears aren't clean, they get really uncomfortable. Mine were. They itch, they're painful, and get plugged up, making it harder to hear. And it's really a pain in the butt. Many people use cotton swabs, candling, or drugstore remedies to clean their ears, but they don't really do the job. It can even be dangerous. That's serious. You're not supposed to do that. Now you can get a real solution for stubborn earwax. The Wax RX earwash system is doctor developed and works safely when other products fail. This is a great company. Love them. Spoke to them on the phone. They're really good. The Wax RX system is the method physicians trust the most, and it's just like the system they use in their own offices. Wax RX comes with everything you need to safely clean out earwax and condition your ears conveniently at home for less than the cost of a doctor's visit. The doctor developed Wax RX system uses special wax softening drops to break down earwax inside the ear. It has a specially engineered pump fitted with a unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure to flush wax away. Finally, the pH condition formula rinses and soothes your ears, making for the ultimate, most complete earwax removal system available. This stuff works. It's amazing. Like butter. Visit GoWaxRx.com to order your reusable earwash system today. GoWaxRx.com. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code here. We love these. Dan, my first name, D-A-N. Have it shipped for free right to your door. GoWaxRx.com. Go check it out. All right. So uh, first on the shutdown. So Obama stuck it to you um, uh, again when, uh, you know, when Obama was in office, shutdowns were meant to be painful. They were meant to hurt you. That's what shutdowns were. Now we have some evidence of this now. Mick Mulvaney, who is the uh, OMB director now, is also managing the CFPB, has been out there as the face of this shutdown. Hey, hold on one second. I got to turn the fan on. Hold on. All right, go ahead. Sorry, folks. Joe had to cut a second of the show out there. I had to turn the fan on. It's like a, it's, I feel like I'm, you know, in a sauna cutting weight for an MMA match here. <laughs> so remember the Obama shutdown. The Obama shutdown. They stuck it to you. Yeah. They did things because this is what 
liberal Democrats do. They weaponize government. They weaponize government in the form of the IRS. They weaponize government with the spying scandal. These things all tie together, folks. They're interrelated. It's not conspiracy theory stuff. If it actually happened, then it actually did happen. So Mick Mulvaney, who's been the face of the Trump team during this you know, Democrat enforced shutdown, I'll go through that in a second. He's been out there publicly saying, listen, we're going to do everything we can to minimize the impact on American citizens of this government shutdown. (gasps) Wait, what? Joe, I I thought the idea of a government shutdown under the Obama administration when they did it was to really stick it to the American people and make them feel the pain because it's not like they actually pay for the. Oh, wait, they do. (laughs) Okay. Now, Joe, do you remember that shutdown? I remember it vividly. Yeah. I was in Maryland at the time. Remember the World War II memorial? Oh, yeah. They put up the barricades to keep out. I, folks, I was there. Like, not in Maryland, like at the scene when it was going down. Yep. They put up barricades to keep World War II veterans in wheelchairs away from the World War II memorial. I'm not kidding. I was there. So what did Mulvaney, Mulvaney say about this shutdown? Of course, they're going to do the same thing, right? The federal government now under Trump, they're going to stick it to the taxpayer. Ah, no, wrong. What did he say? Mulvaney, and I'm quoting here, this shutdown will look very different than it did under previous administrations. We are not going to weaponize it. So what are they doing, Joe? National parks. They're keeping them, quote, open and as accessible as possible. All right. They're allowing the EPA to run with emergency funds. They're trying to get people paid with extra funds they have laying around. They're doing the best they can to not basically gut punch, liver shot, kidney punch the American people who finance this government. Yeah, I hear you. I got, you know, I mean, yeah, let me read you a quote from the folks. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. You know, with the show, we we try to dial, we try to use reason, and I try not to get emotional because I don't like faux emotion. It's a rookie move in radio and podcast. Ah, scream and yell up. But this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I was there. I saw these World War II vets get off the bus and be denied access. I was down there. I was like, is this happening? What what is this like? The Gestapo? Here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to get to the mechanics of the shutdown in a second, too, because they're lying to you. Talking about the contrast in the Obama shutdown and now the Schumer shutdown, where Trump is and their team are trying to do everything in their power to facilitate government while it's, quote, shut down. Which doesn't really shut down. I think we all know that's a myth. Man. Wall Street Journal says, by contrast, the Obama administration acted fast to block and lock down parks and public lands. This is, listen to this, folks. Register every morsel of this. Going on. On the eve of the 2013 shutdown, Park Service spokeswoman Jennifer Mumart emailed colleagues about a scheduled World War II memorial visit by aging or terminally ill veterans. Joe, please leave these pauses in there because I know sometimes Joe will edit out silence in the show. So, but. I, I, I'm I'm seriously formulating how, how I'm going to read to you the next sentence in a, in a way that will impact you enough that you will never forget what a piece of garbage a lot of people in the Obama administration were. 
So this, what I'm about to read to you again is a quote by this Jennifer Murmart, the Park Service spokeswoman, talking about a government shutdown and how they were going to handle terminally ill World War II veterans going to the World War II Memorial. Here's her quote. She asked whether, quote, we are physically preventing people through use of some barrier to gaining access, you know, like jersey barriers, fence tape, uh, sawhorses or something. Holy gosh, I don't curse on the show, but do I ever want to right now? I know it's not the right thing to do, folks, but if there was ever a time I wanted to drop a bomb on this show, this is it. How do we restrain, contain, and block off terminally ill World War II veterans from seeing an open memorial. They're contemplating how to do it, Joseph. Yeah. Joe, look at beam. I'm, I'm go, you're going full screen right now, okay, pal? Gotcha, bro. Beam in on me, brother. Do we use jersey barriers, fence tape, sawhorses, or something? Tell you what, how about nightsticks? How about we just beat the crap out of them? How does that sound? Mm. What about handcuffs? Maybe, you know, Joe, maybe not even handcuffs. Maybe the flexi ties. Oh, you know, the yeah. flexi tie handcuffs. Yeah, maybe sure. just plastic handcuffs. Uh, Joe, here's yeah. an idea. Yeah. Here's an idea. I was there when they came out in the wheelchairs, by the way. You know, like the boots they put on cars when you don't pay parking yeah. tickets? Yeah. Why don't we boot their wheelchairs? Yeah. Let's do that. Let's get a government boot for wheelchairs. Folks, do you understand? This is what this story is not unrelated to Obamagate and Trump spying, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm making a connection here, and this is what I think we do on this show uniquely in many respects. We tie in themes and stories that are seemingly unrelated but aren't. The Obama administration, these people saw government as a tool. I said this in the Glenn Beck show, gosh, five years ago when I was running for office. They were new to government. I remember the transition, seeing them looking around like deers and you know a bunch of deer in headlights. They saw government as a cute little toy to inflict damage, to reward their friends, to conquer their enemies. Obama even said it at one point. Yeah, he did. Remember that? Yeah, sure do. It was their cute little damn toy to hurt people, to damage people, to reward their friends, to conquer their enemies. This is what they do. It was the same thing with the spying scandal, which I'll get. Believe me, I got some Joe put together a nice, quick couple portfolio, a little portfolio of sound bites that are damning. They did this to damage people. Here, let me read another quote from the piece. Deputy Superintendent of Operations, Karen uh, Cucurolo. What a man, is that name appropriate? Cucurolo? (laughs) Cucurolo. (laughs) Cucurolo. Cucarolo <laughs> replied about this, the barricades to keep the terminally ill World War II vets out. She replied, yeah, signs and barricades. Yeah, like that makes sense. No sweat. Here's what's even worse about this story in the journal. I'm sorry, I'm not going to put it in the show notes. It's, it's subscription only, but I'm giving you the gist of it. The same people, Joe. Same people. Yeah. Cucarolo and the other lady. Yeah. With the Park Service. Yeah. That were, that were barricading out World War II veterans from an open memorial. The exact same people. Did I take the quote in here? Oh, yeah, here we go. I wrote the quote down because I didn't want to take too many screenshots. When asked about gaining access, Joe, Mm. by employees to National Park Service offices for stuff they may have needed personally and professionally, Mm -hmm. 
These are the insiders, the bureaucrats, the swamp rats we've been talking about forever. The Cucarolo National Park Service team there replied back, oh, yeah, yeah no problem. Just put the barricades back. All right. That's an email. That's not me making it up. It's not a conspiracy theory. These were government employees, Joe, making sure their own were taken care of. Oh, yeah, no problem. Go right into the office. Just put the barricades back. But those World War II vets, they go anywhere near that. You make sure you get them in a triangle choke and choke them right out. I think they get the Golden Turd Award for that. Do we have a Golden Turd Award? We're going to have that made up. We'll have to do fake gold because neither Joe nor I can afford a turd big enough in gold. That would be about (laughs) $20,000, bucks. But we're going to do that. We're going to get that made up. By the way, I'm going to be running a contest soon for a signed book. And Brian Kilmeade was nice enough to send over some books. All right. I just haven't figured out how I'm going to do the contest. So I have five books. Uh, from Brian Kilmeade, and I'll include five of my signed new book. And uh, I love contests. I love giving stuff away to my audience. We'll send you both, Kilmeade and my book. I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to mm. do the contest. If you have any suggestions, email me, daniel at bongito.com. Always looking for cool ideas and always looking for free stuff to give away to you guys because <laughs> I, I love you all and ladies out there. Um, Yeah, Joe, I mean, this it's the kind of story where you, you have to be really cautious before the show because it's easy to scream. Yeah. But folks, I'm... I, do you see the relationship here between how liberals and their their love affair with government as a what they believe to be? I don't mean to wax philosophical here, but this is important you understand this. Liberals are obsessed with the idea that the only benevolent force in society worth supporting with tax dollars, control, assets, money, scarce resources is government. That people in government, they believe, don't have an incentive to do the wrong thing. That government, if it gets the money, will do the right thing, will allocate resources better, will take care of people, will show compassion. But do you understand by doing that, you're also empowering one of the only forces in our society that has a monopoly on force, the ability to take your life and take your freedom. And when you empower that force, it is inherently corrupting. Mm-hmm. You can, folks, you think about, Joe, think about other powerful entities in society that aren't government, right? Apple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not knocking Apple as a company. I'm saying Apple, Joe, we can both agree, mm-hmm. has a whole lot of money, a whole lot of influence, a whole lot of employees, yep. and a whole lot of products we all use. That's power. That's power, folks. That's hard power and soft power. The problem with Apple is Apple can't arrest you, right. and Apple can't force you to do a damn thing. They can incentivize you to do something. They can say, hey, if you go to Android, we're going to pull our iTunes library, but they, it doesn't matter. You If you just say, oh, I don't really care. I'm just going to buy an Android. No one is going to arrest you. When you're a liberal and you see government as a benevolent force and as a result of that, you know, air quotes here, benevolent force and the philanthropic will of government and you empower it thinking it's a good thing and you empower a force that has the monopolistic power to take your life, your freedom, your money and everything else. It is inherently corrupting. As Lord Acton said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that is absolutely true. Bingo. They have weaponized this. Eight years of weaponizing government. The IRS attacking conservatives. The government in a shutdown attacking World War II vets. The Obama administration attacking the Trump team. The Obama administration having people arrested Mike Flynn, this Papadopoulos guy, this is all, these are not independent stories. Why do you think I'm a conservative? I'm a conservative precisely because I worked for the government and saw the massive power of the United States government, the discretionary power to ruin your life. Fascinating also this weekend, I don't want to jump ahead, but 
The FBI claims to have lost critical Dude. texts about, yeah, don't, like Homer Simpson time, right? Oh. I mean, uh, meanwhile, Joe, if you and I were being audited in our new company here, we've started because we got a ton of things going on, yeah. by the way. Yeah. A ton between the book and NRA TV and everything like that. If you and I were to lose a single document about taxes, we'd be in jail or fine. You bet. What kind of scam is this? You think this is what the founding fathers fought for? I would argue, uh, you know, a tyrannical king in England didn't have the power now that supposedly a liberty-loving constitutional republic has to impact your life today. Okay. Getting back to this. On, on the budget shutdown, because there's just a couple of critical myths that need to be debunked immediately. Then I'm going to move on to some other content, because I do have a ton of stuff to talk, to talk about today. It's unfortunately a busy news day. I mean that. It's great for my show, yeah. but I'm an American citizen. I don't want great show content. I can, I can give you a great show without watching my country fall apart. So DACA, number one, the Democrats are now insisting they're starting to move away from it a little bit because they're realizing how bad it looks that the Democrats shut down the government over illegal immigrants. But their initial proposal, and this was, I had a debate with Chris Hahn and Judge Janine on Saturday night, and they all coordinate their talking points, folks, the Democrats. They're saying, well, you know, there was bipartisan agreement on a DACA deal that stands for Deferred Amnesty for Childhood Arrivals. Okay. Their talking point is there was bipartisan agreement on that and the Republicans are not passing a budget because of this DACA deal, even though there was bipartisan agreement. Let me debunk this stupidity immediately. Thank you. Folks, let me tell you in no uncertain terms and to the liberals listening, there is no DACA bill. There is no DACA bill. Now, Chris Hahn, who I debated, decided to engage in this, what they always do, this, hey, look, shiny red ball, like squirrel. Watch, dear. I mean, this is what they do. He said, well, there was bipartisan agreement on one. Folks, there's bipartisan agreement that snow is cold. That doesn't mean there's a recognition of snow is cold bill getting ready for the president to sign. Bipartisan agreement doesn't mean anything. Listen to me. There is no DACA bill. For liberals, let me say it again. There is no DACA bill. Then Han came back with another one because, you know, one lie is not enough. They got to compound it. (laughs) He came back and said, well, the, the Senate's working on one now. Um, Joe, are you, were you a civics major in college? Uh, no. No, okay, you weren't. Uh, neither was I. Okay. Now, neither of you and I are inside politician swamp rats, right? Right, right, right. right. Let me ask you this. Right. Up on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. is there, I'm going to give you a few choices. I mean, this is going to be a hard question, so okay. you know, really pay attention here. To get the, you know, put, as I used to say in my grammar school, Forest Brook Elementary, right? Put your thinking cap on. Is Capitol Hill, does it consist of just the House of Representatives, just the United States Senate, or the House of Representatives and the United States Senate? Go! Well, it's got them all, Dan. It's got the House of Representatives. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very good. This is not hard, folks. Matter of fact, I set that question up so stupidly because there's no other way to do it but i think looking at joey was like is this i don't know like are you messing with me here like this can't be this dumb so what do they come back with next they go well 
There was agreement in the Senate on a DACA bill. Okay, but not in the House. So what you're saying is what I just said, that there was no bill ready for the president to sign on DACA. None. No. So that's, you're basically acknowledged, as you're telling me I'm lying, you're telling me I'm telling the truth at the same time. And this is what's, 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 what's upsetting me, let's say, about this. I'm trying, I know kids listen to the show. Yeah. The, the Democrats, folks, this is why my, my, my anger, on, I, was, I couldn't wait to do the show today. By the way, I'll be doing a regular hit on Monday morning on Fox and Friends now. So for those of you tuning, I got so much going on. I just want to make sure you all know. But I got up really early and I spent like three hours putting this together because I just don't understand how people get suckered so easily by nonsense Democrat talking points they just make up. There's no DACA bill. There is no bill for the president to sign. What I'm telling you is a fact. There's no DACA bill. So any of your friends, your liberal kook friends, telling you the government was shut down over a DACA bill, say, what's the bill number that's passed the House and the Senate ready for the president to sign? They don't have it. It's made up. There's no DACA bill. <sighs> we got to say things five and six times here. I mean, it's like, can you just, let me, oh God, folks, seriously, uh, forgive me, I shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. My apologies. But can you just tell the truth for once? Can you just one time, Democrats, tell the truth? Do you understand that all of the Republicans are no great shakes? I think Joe and I have been relatively fair in our criticism of sellout Republicans. Yep. Do you understand that the Democrats are just institutional liars? They lie to you about everything. There's no bill. There's no bill. You can't prove me wrong because there's nothing wrong. There's no bill. You shut down the government over nothing. The DACA deadline isn't even until March 5th. There's no bill. So you say, well, why did they shut it down? Because the Democrats weaponized government, just like Obama gave you the double barrel middle finger when he shut down the government in 2013, refused to sign the budget that actually passed and told World War II terminally ill veterans to beat it and get back on the bus. Oh, yeah. Darn right. This is what Democrats do. The party of John F. Kennedy is dead. These are tyrants. These alleged civil rights activists on the Democrat side are nothing but enforcers of lies, manipulation, and the police state. That's it. And when they don't get that, Antifa-style violence. That's all they are. There is no more to this party. Couple more nonsensical talking points they put out. Because this is what Han hit me with on Saturday night. And he's, again, they're just making it up. Now, Joe, they're realizing that, wow, we're shutting down the government for a DACA bill that doesn't exist. And our messaging is what? That American taxpayers have no government now because we want illegal immigrants to have amnesty? Uh, not really a winner, Joe. Right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. So now what are they doing? They're trying to change their messaging here. So Han hit me with this other one. Well, no, no. The real reason now, Joe, is the Democrats don't want to fund their military with a continuing rev resolution. In other words, there should be some uh, extended budget timeline planning, an actual year-long budget, right? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Come again? 
Folks, you do understand, right? For eight years under Barack Obama, they funded the military with a continuing resolution. So now let me get this straight. Now that Trump's in office, CRs are no good anymore. They were great under Obama. And by the way, I agree CRs are a really stupid idea, continuing resolutions that we should plan out in advance like any other entity. I'm absolutely in agreement. But your logic now you're using with us that you expect us to believe like dopes is that now all of a sudden CRs are horrible. So, Joe, the alternative is let's not fund the military at all. Double barrel middle finger again. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Finally, it takes 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. Why am I telling you that? Joe is not a civics instructor, neither am I. Mm -hmm. Why would you need 60 votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster? Because who is filibustering the budget bill? The Democrats! Mm -hmm. It's not the Republicans. How are the Republicans shutting the government down? How? The Democrats are literally on the record filibustering the budget to open the government. The the Republicans need 60 votes. They only have 51. They can't do it alone. The Democrats are filibustering the budget, and they have the cojones to go out there on TV and say, man, this is the Trump shutdown. How? How is it the Trump shutdown? Are you this stupid? The answer is they're not. They're just liars. They're just like they've always been liars. That was the how that I think a lot of listeners and, and folks in general need to hear because they were filibustering so that they're the guys that were against it. And Joe, keep in mind. Yeah. They don't have to filibuster. Yeah. This could pass with a Republican majority if the Democrats just said we're not going to filibuster it. But the Democrats are actively taking a filibuster step to block the government from opening now, the, to overcome the Democrats' obstruction, the Republicans can't pass it with a simple majority. They need Democrats to come on board. And the Democrats are saying, no, we're not going to open a government. And dopey people actually believe the Republicans shut the government down. Oh, you know, I've never told you about my, my a transformative moment for me. I was generally an independent in college. I had, you know, I wouldn't say I was liberal, but, you know, like most kids in college, Unfortunately, you haven't had a lot of world experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like to like slap millennials are good kids. They just don't know much. I mean, you know, and I'm sorry you haven't been out in the world. You know, life tends to smack you in the face. Joe and I've had more smacks in the face <laughs> in the past year alone than, <laughs> than I had in my entire year, in, you know, four years in college, right? But I remember sitting through college and listening to lectures about overpopulation and how humans were like a virus on the planet. And one day I'm sitting in a drugstore. I'm waiting for a prescription. I had a throat infection and it was taking forever. And I pick up Rush Limbaugh's book and I forget what it was called back then. But I, you know, of course, at the time I was, I had listened to Limbaugh occasionally, but you know, I had believed the leftist thing that, oh, this guy, forget it. Tell Limbaugh, he's the worst. And I go to this chapter and conveniently that day or so we had this conversation in the class about overpopulation. And I pick up this chapter in the book and Rush had laid out statistics in the book about how overpopulation of the globe is a total myth. Like you could fit almost everybody in the world in the state of Texas with the equivalent floor space of like a European apartment and the rest of the world would be empty. And I was like, is that true? And I started doing some homework and forgive me if that isn't the exact number, but it's close to it. And I was like, wow, it is true. Like I've been lied to the whole time. And I, Although there was no specific road to Damascus moment for me to find conservatism and, 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 and the fight for liberty, I specifically remember that moment at least piquing my interest in like, well, what else have I been lied to about too? And I'm telling you folks, you've been lied to about just about everything. The Democrats have an allergy to the truth. 
All right. Now that we've entirely debunked this nonsense about DACA, I have some other stuff I want to get to. Hey, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. Thank you for all the feedback on the iTarget Pro system. By the way, that's the letter I, not like the organ you used to see. The iTarget Pro system is an unbelievable system for improving your marksmanship. Folks, if you are a hunter, a self-defense Second Amendment supporter, if you are a cop, you're in the military, you're a first-time gun owner who doesn't have the time to spend weeks at the range learning how to uh, operate your new firearm, this is the system for you. What is the iTarget Pro system? It is a laser bullet. They will send you the drops in the firearm you have now. No additional manipulations necessary. You don't have to buy fancy barrels, fancy guns, whatever. I have a Glock 43 and 9mm. They will send you a 9mm laser bullet. You drop it in the firearm you have now. Of course, you safely unload it. It has a rubber backstop. It's not going to damage your gun anyway. You don't have to buy any special equipment. And that laser bullet... When you dry fire with the laser bullet in the chamber, it's going to emit a laser onto a target they send you. And you will see exactly where your rounds go. Now, one of the things they used to teach us in the Secret Service and the MIPD was obviously safely unload your gun and practice dry fire drills. Dry fire, meaning there's no round in the chamber. Practice your trigger control. Slow. Pull back in a, in a deliberate fashion. Engage that click. Let it back out slowly, right? Equal light on both sides on, on the front sight. Line it up on top. Folks, these are critical marksmanship skills you have to develop. Acquire that front sight. Really important. You can do this safely in the safety and security of your own home. The range is great. We love to go there. You should go there. But you can't go there all the time. It's expensive. You have to clean your gun. You have to drive back and forth. You have to buy the ammo. You can practice every day. We have listeners who don't put the system down. They love it. They love it. I have a, a guy, he emailed me. He says, listen, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't get to the range all the time. I can't stop messing around with this thing. It's the greatest thing ever. You can practice all kinds of different ways. You can use corners in your house. You can use cover. You can all do it safely in your own home. Competitive shooters dry fire 10 times more than they live fire. This is a way to take your dry fire practice to the next level. Go to itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, itargetpro.com. Pick this system up today. You will absolutely love it. And use promo code Dan, my first name, 10% off. 10% off. That's a nice uh, promo code, folks. They're really generous over there. And their customer service is phenomenal. iTargetPro.com. Go check them out. Okay. Um, I'm having a tough time figuring out where to start here because uh, I I have to take notes in bold because I think one of the things... I I don't self-praise things. I don't like to like pat myself on the back. That really sounds ridiculous. Let's just say one of the things I think Joe and I do differently on this show is we try to keep things 30,000 feet and then lay out the case afterwards, but constantly bringing it back to the overall point. Because the problem with some of these cases, especially the spying scandal, the Obamagate spying scandal on the Trump team, is ladies and gentlemen, it's so complicated. It has taken Joe and I, what, now seven episodes to describe it all? But I don't want you to ever lose in this some big bird's eye view points. Number one. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. This is not in dispute. No one, nobody, even liberal, even the Obama team's not denying it. Susan Rice admitted to it. Samantha Powers, they admitted to it. They already admitted to it, Samantha Powers. That's not in dispute. The assertion I've been trying to make to you is that that spying was illicit. It was not done for a legitimate national security or criminal reason. We have laid this out over the course of multiple episodes. One of the ways I've laid this out to show you, to be clear here, what I'm trying to prove, and again, I'm not talking down to the audience here. I'm I'm trying to keep everybody on the straight and narrow here. 
One of the points I've tried to demonstrate as a former federal agent myself, intimately familiar with the process of investigating criminals at the federal level and using the United States Attorney's Office is order matters. The Obama administration, if they were spying on Trump because they had evidence of some serious international crime or Trump's team, in fact, colluding with the Russians to overthrow an election, ladies and gentlemen, you would have mine and Joe's entire support. I don't care that Obama is a Democrat. If there was a scintilla of evidence out there, and I mean this, that the Donald Trump team coordinated with the Russians to overthrow a U.S. election, a Joe and I would be the first ones going to impeach, send them to jail. Yeah. Order matters. And when I say order matters, I mean evidence, then investigation. Right? Mm-hmm. Not investigation hmm. and then evidence. That's not the way law enforcement works. So that's what I mean by order matters here. The problem I have with the entire, entire Obamagate spying scandal, Joseph, is it's clear from anybody paying attention that the investigation happened only with the intention to try to fabricate evidence later for a crime that didn't exist. Order matters. Mm-hmm. I have some more. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up today, again, walking you through this slowly, is I have some other order matters issues here. I was forwarded an interesting article by a listener this weekend, and we've seen it. I've read it. I'm not trying to be like Mr. Know-it-all. I've read the, the article's old. It's not a new one. But he was right. Like, we don't want to lose some of the things that happened afterwards. Now, here's what the order matters, right? Remember, order matters. Crime investigation, not investigation, then find the crime, right? I am going to put an article in the show notes today. Please sign up for the show notes, please. We are doing, we are really working hard to get you the best quality articles out there. And they're not, folks, here's the difference between my show notes and other aggregators. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, some of the stuff I'm sending you is not from today. It's from months ago, but it's applicable today. You're not going to find that on other aggregators. Other aggregators send you out today's news. They're great sites, don't get me wrong. But it's today's, this is today's events. And today's events may be relevant to a story that happened six months ago. Today's show notes, I have a story from months ago, right? Yeah. By the New York Times, sent in by a listener. Thank you, you know who you are. And he was absolutely right. He's like, Dan, remember this? And I was like, Boom. Booyakasha. You're right. I'm like, how did I forget this article? It'll be in the show notes today. What is the article? You're like, stop teasing. Just get to the darn article. It's a New York Times piece about a initiative by the Obama administration post, Joe, pay attention here, Mm -hmm. to support post-election. Post-election. So Obama's still the president. Trump is the president-elect. Mm-hmm. They're in the transition period, and there is an order signed by Obama to share information gathered by the National Security Administration to share it more widely throughout the federal government so that more entities have access to said information. Now, I will put the piece in the show. Read it. It's not long. Read this piece knowing what you know from the prior episodes that the Obama team had spied on the Trump team, and I'm telling you, they had no legal predicate to do so. The dossier was a legal front on an illicit operation using the the legal mechanisms of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to cover an ongoing sting operation against the Trump team. Now, 
Now that you know that happened, mm-hmm. why would the Obama team, Joe, just weeks from leaving office, why would they sign this, this memo, this initiative here, to more widely share information collected by the NSA throughout the government? Now, this is going to tie into those sound bites. I know you listened to them this morning. Mm-hmm. Folks, I'm going to make the case to you, and this should really ring your bell and never unring it, that they never, ever again expected Hillary to lose. This was obvious. And when Hillary lost, they were in a panic. Order matters. They had already done this, shared this information widely throughout the government, and now had to go retroactively cover their their butts and sign this document saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to distribute it widely now. Maybe as a means to cover an incident that had already happened. Why do that? Just weeks from leaving office. Read the article in the show notes with that in mind. I'm, I'm, folks, I'm just asking a question. I'm, there, unfortunately, there's been a lot of inside baseball going on with a lot of conservative groups out there all trying to claim credit for who's cracking what in this case. Listen to me. To, and for those of you listening, because I know some of you listen as well. You're all doing great work. Steal everything I have. I don't care. I don't need any credit. You don't even have to link to anything. I'm telling you with absolute certainty, all Joe and I care about is this story getting out there. Mm-hmm. I have shared links. I have cited people. I have enclosed articles. I will, I will, you have something to say? Send it to me. I'll put it on my email list. There are an enormous number of people who will read it. But I'm telling you, something happened here. Read the New York Times piece, and my guess is it was Jim Clapper who was covering his butt here, and people in the Obama team realizing they'd already shared information throughout the government, and they had to put something to paper, just like the FISA warrant, even though the spying was already ongoing, to put a legal patina, a legal faux cover on an already BS ongoing operation. I'm just asking you the question, why would they do it otherwise? Why? There should be some kind of controls between collection and analysis, folks. Think about what I just told you. I understand the awesome powers of the federal government. If the federal government can collect information on anyone at any time, emails, phone records, and it's given over to analysts to, Joe, air quotes, analyze how they see fit, you're living in a police state. Now, there doesn't have to be a wall between the two. But there has to be some controls. And what were those controls, Joe, throughout the history of the United States before FISA, 702, and all this other stuff? Those controls were warrants. Mm-hmm. Going to a judge and saying, we need information from this analytical pool of info. We need information on Joe Armacost because we have probable cause to believe Joe ripped a mattress tag off. Or whatever. I'm being, you get my point. Yeah. It wasn't a wall. But it was a choke point to prevent the government from analyzing information about innocent Americans. I'm telling you, that's what happened here. Order matters. Order matters because the document comes out putting a legal face on the sharing of information widely throughout the intelligence and law enforcement community. I'm telling you, the order came out after it was already happening. Why? 
Because Obama's sitting there, Joe, in December when this thing goes through, a month after losing, going, holy, what the heck just happened? Now we're going to have to cover our butts. Now, remember that? I don't have it with me, but remember the, uh, about a week ago, Joe played a cut of Jim Clapper, mm-hmm. the former ODNI, Director of National Intelligence, who has access to all of this scheme, the spying on Trump. Jim Clapper says multiple times on taped interviews that are still out there. Taped interviews that are still out there. He says multiple times there is no warrant to spy on the Trump team that he's aware of. I'm telling you this document is Jim Clapper's effort effort to cover his butt. To put an ex post facto legal cover on an ongoing crap operation against the Trump team that had no evidence to be started in the first place. Now... I've got some beauty sound bites for you. This is Evelyn Farkas, folks. Who is Evelyn Farkas? I'm going to play for you two sound cuts. Evelyn Farkas is a deputy assistant secretary of state involved with what country, Joe? This is going to amaze you. Joe, put on your shocked face here. <laughs> Russia. <gasps> there he is, Joe. Get, get the, someone give Joe the Heimlich maneuver. He's choking on his own saliva right now. <laughs> So this is a woman in the Obama administration, Evelyn Farkas, right? She is the deputy assistant secretary of state in charge of Russia. Remember what we talked about before? The NSA is now saying, oh, no, it's all good. Now we're going to share information we collected on people throughout all of these entities. Although I'm telling you, they already did it. Here's how they did it before. Let's play a cut of Evelyn Farkas. This is her just days before the election. She's, she's at a women's forum. And she says something that's awfully curious that'll make more sense when I play the second count uh, sound cut. Excuse me. Play Farkas, number one. I think the most important thing, first of all, I have to say is it's not a done deal, as you said. And so to the Americans in the audience, please vote. And, and not only vote, but get everybody to vote, because I really believe we need a landslide. We need an absolute repudiation of everything, all of the policies that Donald Trump has put out there. I'm not afraid to be political. I'm not hiding um, who I'm rooting for. Um, and I think it's very important that we uh, continue to press forward until Election Day and through Election Day to make sure that we have the right result. I do agree, however, with General Breedlove that even if we have the wrong result, from my perspective, um, America is resilient. We have a lot of presidential historians who have put forward very coherently the argument. They've given us examples of all of our horrible presidents in the past and the fact that we've endured. And we do have a strong system of checks and balances. And actually, if Donald Trump were elected, I believe he'd be impeached pretty quickly or somebody else would have to take over government. Wait, what? Joe was kind enough to pull a cut for me there. We're going to get through. But what what wait, what did she just say? This is 10 days before an election. A high-ranking Obama administration bureaucrat. Remember we're talking about the sharing of information that people who shouldn't have it. She's already calling for the impeachment of a Donald Trump and the election hasn't even happened yet. Now, you have Clapper, right? I want you to play Clapper here for a minute, too, because remember, we're talking about how the Obama administration shared information they shouldn't have even been accessing on the Trump team widely throughout the government. Why they did it's going to make sense in a second. Keep in mind, Farkas is already calling for his impeachment. He's not even elected yet. And here's Clapper covering his own butt. Play him. Um, Let me start with the president's tweets. 
uh, yesterday, um, this idea that maybe President Obama ordered an illegal wiretap of his offices. If something like that happened, would this be something you would be aware of? I would certainly hope so. Uh, I, I can say, obviously, I'm not I can't speak officially anymore, but uh, I will say that for the part of the national security apparatus that I oversaw as DNI, there was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the president, uh, the president-elect at the time, or as a candidate, or against his campaign. Uh, I can't speak for uh, other Title III mm-hmm. authorized uh, entities in the government or uh, a state or local entity. Yeah, I was just going to say, if the FBI, for instance, had a FISA court order of some sort for a surveillance, would that be information you would know or not know? Yes. You would be told this. I would know that. If there was a FISA court order yes. on something like this. Um, something like this, absolutely. And at this point, you can't confirm or deny whether that exists? I can deny it. There is no FISA court order? Not, not to my knowledge. Of anything at Trump Tower? No. <laughs> oh man oh gosh i love being a federal agent i feel like <laughs> joe i have never been so inspired in my life with this show um really i feel like i'm back at my desk in the melville field office of the secret service cracking bank fraud cases folks again order matters the question we're asking now did the obama team spy on trump And then afterwards, try to cover their tracks after the election. The operating thesis I'm putting out there is that this NSA new new sharing technique throughout the government in December is only a means to cover for what they already did. Farkas knows before the election that Trump is going to be impeached, or she says. She may have had access to this information. We're going to play something on that in a second. And Clapper who's the head of the director, he's the director of national intelligence, the ODNI, right? Office of Director of National Intelligence. Clapper is already covering his butt. Look, I, I had to take notes on this. In that statement, keep in mind, Clapper's involved with the signing of this NSA document to share information widely, which I think is retroactively covering the butts for what they already did. Don't, I, I can't repeat this enough because I don't want you to lose what I'm talking about. Think of all the out clauses and exit ramps he left himself in that one soundbite Joe played. Would you know? I hope so. Well, what if it was, you know, if it happened? Well, not what I was a part of it. He says, well, I can't speak for other entities. And he asked him again, would you know? Well, not to my knowledge. He gives himself four off ramps in there, which says to me, either there's only one of two scenarios. Either Clapper's unaware of the spying and out of loyalty to Obama doesn't want to throw him under the bus, but is trying to preserve his own butt. Mm-hmm. And folks, I'm not willing to write that off yet, although I, I, it's hard to believe, yes, there's an extremely low probability that's the case, given his position, granted. So either he doesn't know, and this is happening behind his back, which I doubt, or number two, the more likely scenario is he does know He's absolutely stunned Hillary Clinton lost the election. He now knows this is going to come out, and he's pushing Obama and everyone else. We better sign some memo authorizing all this stuff because I'm going to go on the press, and I'm going to say, not to my knowledge. Well, I hope so. Well, I wasn't part of it. Well, I can't speak for other people. Folks, what happened here was a constitutional abomination of the highest order. Trump was spied on. The information was shared with partners who had no business looking into it. 
information they couldn't get was given to them by foreign entities based on the Guardian and CNN's own reporting on this. Constitutional rights were violated. Our Constitution was used like toilet paper. And now they are all covering their butts. Now, this second cut of Evelyn Farkas, remember in the first cut, she says before the election, the first cut, she seems to have some information about Trump being impeached. How would she have that information? Play cut two, and a lot of this will make sense. Play Farkas. I was urging my former colleagues and, and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. Mm-hmm. I, it was more actually aimed, aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their the staff the trump staff's dealing with russians that they would try to compromise those sources and methods meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence so i became very worried because not enough was coming out into the open and i knew that there was more we have very good intelligence on russia so then i had talked to some of my former colleagues and i knew that they were trying to also help get information to the hill whoa Folks, there is so much in that soundbite. Number one, I'm glad Joe found Clapper because the the distinction I'm trying to make here is clear. Clapper is a career-long swamp rat, Joe. And if you're the audience ombudsman, stop me because this is a very critical point in this. He is a career-long swamp rat who is intimately familiar with the intel and Mm -hmm. law enforcement powers of the United States government. Mm Mm-hmm. Jim Clapper, after Hillary loses and Trump wins, knowing the spying operation that happened before, which I believe he did intimately, understands he is in a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. He knows that he was involved in a constitutional abomination and sees himself having legal liability. Now, to cover his own butt, he asks for this recirculation of information memo to retroactively cover for what already happened. He also goes out and makes media appearances where he covers his own butt and leaves off ramps everywhere. Well, I didn't know. I hope so. I wasn't part of it. I can't speak. Don't speak. Just like no doubt, right? (laughs) Not to my knowledge. He leaves himself off ramps everywhere. Why? Because for all of my beefs with Jim Clapper, this guy is smart. Because he's a swamp rat, Joe. Uh And he understands the power of the swamp. And he knows he is in deep, deep, mm, he gets it. Contrast that with Farkas in that media appearance on MSNBC I just played for you. Hmm. Who's a bureaucrat. She's a doctor. Not a doctor of medicine, a medical doctor, but a doctor of philosophy, specializes in Russia. Farkas is a career-long bureaucrat, so immersed in the power of D.C., but not understanding intimately the intelligence and law enforcement powers of the United States government, because that's not what she does. She's a bureaucrat. That this dope goes on MSNBC and basically gives the same explanation, but instead of providing four off-ramps like Clapper does, she provides on-ramps for everybody to look at her. (laughs) She says... Hey, we had good intel on Russia. We wanted people up on Capitol Hill to see it. Um, Evelyn, were they authorized to see that data you're talking about? Oh, no, they weren't. So you basically broke the law. I did? Uh, Shaggy? 
She has no idea because she's a bureaucrat. She, Joe, you seeing the distinction? Yeah, I sure am, and I'm sure the listeners are, yes. How law enforcement guys like me and intel guys like Clapper, although we're, I think we're different, obviously different people who share different ideologies, we understand the awesome power of the government to turn its power on you because we wielded it. Farkas has no idea. She's a bureaucrat. She goes on NBC and basically admits to her part in a constitutional abomination and thinks nothing of it. Oh, yeah, we had all this intelligence and we wanted to make sure people up on Capitol Hill saw it. Mm -hmm. Now are you seeing how this is all tying into the memo? The memo is a way to cover what's already been happening, an illegal spying operation against Trump where information is fed widely throughout the federal government to people who have no business seeing it at all. Clapper sees that's a problem, asks for the memo to cover his butt, does TV appearances to cover his butt because he's afraid of the intelligence operation he runs because he doesn't run it anymore. While Farkas, this dopey bureaucrat, has no idea she goes on TV because she's been so enmeshed in the swamp, she doesn't even understand the power of it to turn on her. And she goes on TV and basically admits to it. Now, you know I like timing. Mm -hmm. Because as I always tell you, remember the names. They're always going to be reappear. Let me add Mm -hmm. a, a little caveat to that. Remember the dates, too. The timing of that piece, Joe. I didn't tell you this before the show. That MSNBC hit by Evelyn Farkas, where she admits to sharing information widely throughout the government on the Trump team. What did she say? We have The Trump team has no idea how we know what we know. No, we know. You spied on them. No, we absolutely know. The date on that is critical. The date of that appearance on MSNBC is March 2nd, 2017. Why does that matter to you? Because what happens on March 4th of 2017? Donald Trump sends out the tweet from his Twitter account saying that his wires were tapped in Trump Tower. Ah. Now, I've already told you that Mike Rogers visits Trump November 17th of 2016. Doesn't tell the White House about it, Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers, who at the time is head of the NSA. He goes up there, and I believe, and as do many others, I'm not claiming proprietary interest in this, that Mike Rogers warns Trump on November 17th, they are listening to you. They are spying on you. And notably, they are spying on you here. Trump leaves Trump Tower November 18th, the next day for Bedminster, and the media doesn't ask a damn question about it. So one of the questions that's been outstanding is, why would Trump wait? from November of 2016 to March of 2017 to send the tweet out about Trump Tower being wiretapped. Folks, I'm going to suggest to you that it may have been in response to the media hoopla surrounding this March 2nd Evelyn Farkas appearance on MSNBC, where she comes out and basically openly admits that they were listening to the Trump team and sharing the information with people who shouldn't have had access to it. That's I, I, listen, I'm not in the guy's head. Is t- no one no one told me this. I'm not going to spin your wheels. It is a little bit of speculation on my part, but I'm trying to put pieces together like any investigator would using a timeline. Mm-hmm. There had to be a reason. I'm going to suggest to you that it may be in response to this Farkas appearance where she admits to basically she exposes Obamagate for what it was. So all this makes sense, Joe. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that the, the timeline, the names, they're just devastating, folks. Yeah, it's pretty clear. All right. Hey, one more thing. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Hey, uh, thanks to everyone who bought the products. And uh, I got a nice email this morning about Field of Greens, which is a terrific product. Uh, they said, hey, you weren't kidding. It really does taste good. I think it tastes great. I put it in water as a little pick-me-up. What's Field of Greens? Well, folks, you know, you're supposed to eat your fruits and vegetables. We all know that. And I try to. I mean, I eat a lot of dried berries. I love carrots. But the reality is it's tough for us to get that many servings of fruits and vegetables in a day. So I asked the guys at Brickhouse Nutrition, I said, guys, please put together a product out there, um, a, a, a food product. This is not a supplement. This is actual food. I said, all we got to do is grind up the fruits and vegetables, take the water out. You can drink the water with it. And basically, you'll get all these servings of fruits and vegetables in a handy dandy drink every day. You take a scoop, you throw it in water. What do you get? You get cherries, you get blueberries, you get pomegranate, ginger, licorice, you get prebiotic material. This stuff is fantastic. It tastes great great for your we all know you know fruits and vegetables are, are, are the key to, to, to long life prosperity health i mean it's just a really good product it's delicious i put it in v8 sometimes i put it in green tea i mix it with a little collagen it's really really good it's called field of greens go to brickhousenutrition.com slash dan that's brickhousenutrition.com slash day. Pick up your bottle of Field of Greens today. You're going to love this stuff. It tastes terrific. Put it in juice. It tastes even better. But you need those micronutrients, those macronutrients. This is like an insurance policy for your fruits and vegetables, okay? We're big on insurance policies on the show, from Patriot Supply to food products. Now, this is consider this your health insurance policy. Eat your fruits and vegetables. In this case, you can drink them. You can drink tons of servings a day. Give it a shot. Uh, brickhousenutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Hey, um, quickly for tomorrow's show, one of the things I want to get to, folks. There is a interesting story I saw in the journal today about Canadian healthcare and how it ties in things like Common Core, net neutrality, and ongoing themes, again, with the Democrat Party. I'm going to leave you with this because it's an important piece I want to get to tomorrow's. Anything that they call common liberals they usually mean common and misery common core you know net neutrality means you'll all be you'll all be neutral and miserable together i want to talk about a lawsuit going on in canada for their single-payer health care it's going to blow your mind you're going to be like wait they're suing for what like this is crazy and i'll prove to you finally that anything the government does that's common is common and misery so don't miss tomorrow's show all right folks thanks again for tuning in i appreciate it please go to bongino.com you can listen to my show on bongino.com and please sign up for my email list there as well Thanks. See you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.